good morning everybody people are slowly but surely joining us on the call this morning uh, at the downtown den we've got uh, joe anderson who is the uh, mayor of course of the city of liverpool uh, joe's had a busy weekend i'm sure we'll talk a little about the issues that have arisen uh, since friday evening and of course the leader of manchester city council sir richard leith uh, joins us as well now when we uh, set this webinar up about a month or so ago, chaps. I fully anticipated that we'd be talking uh, about recovery plans. We'd be talking about the COVID crisis in the main being behind us uh, and the health concerns that have clearly uh, been at the forefront of our thinking up until this point, uh, being something that we got on top of. Uh, I'm not quite sure we're in that place yet. And of course, we've heard over the weekend that Leicester may be going into a local lockdown which is particularly concerning and of course whilst you've been having to deal with health and care issues and providing the services alongside trying to come up with economic recovery plans moving forward you've also had over the past few weeks both of you uh, situations where large public gatherings have come into cities whether it be for black lives matter whether it be for football celebrations whole range of issues and of course we're not far away now uh, from the reopening of hospitality venues on the 4th of July. So Richard I want to turn to you first uh, and just ask what powers if any do city councils and city leaders have when those mass gatherings are taking place in terms of being able to perhaps enforce better social distancing uh, and of course as I say with the 4th of July on, on the horizon uh, are you planning anything for that to ensure that we don't see some of the scenes that we've seen across the country over the past few weeks? Well, I, I think I'll start at the end of that, if you don't mind, uh, yeah. Frank, which is the 4th of uh, uh, July and beginning to see uh, the hospitality and leisure industry reopen. And uh, I know that there are some concerns about that and uh, police forces particularly have concerns, but I think that uh, uh, actually, it ought to reduce issues rather than increase uh, issues. And uh, we have a whole population, but particularly uh, our younger population, and I mean probably anybody under the sort of age of 40 here, have been locked down for three months. And uh, the idea that that was going to be sustainable indefinitely is clearly, uh, it's not achievable. And what you have, though, is uh, a lot of people who want to be uh, social, they want to meet their friends and so on, with nothing to do. And in a situation, particularly with uh, uh, long, hot days, when there is nothing to do, people find things, uh, things to do. And I think uh, actually moving back to a situation where people can uh, meet their friends and entertain themselves legitimately means that we're in a position that I think we can now manage rather than one that we can't. Uh, manage and I, I think that puts us in a, a, a stronger position. <coughs> Most places we've been working now for several weeks about how we create far more public space for a particular uh, food and beverage uh, establishment so that they can uh, have customers and can socially distance and, and, and keep safe. So I, I think we're, we're going to be able to uh, do that and first I think that will be an improvement. Right? People going and buying alcohol in a uh, managed license establishment rather than going to an offie and actually quite often sitting in exactly the same places and just dumping the, uh, the rubbish. Yeah. I think it puts us in a, a better position. In terms of large gatherings, 
please, the, the uh, COVID-19 legislation uh, does give police some powers uh, to act against large, large gatherings. But I think they also have to make a sensible judgment about whether it is both sensible and safe uh, to do so. And uh, by and large, I think uh, police have been making the right choices uh, there. Uh, effectively, we, if we're not careful, we can create more disorder rather than deal with uh, disorder. Uh, but particularly around some of the things that have been disrupting uh, uh, communities, certainly across the whole of Greater Manchester, and that's largely been legal street parties, gatherings, and so on, so on, is that police over the last few weeks, I think, have been doing a lot better in, in prevention. So, for example, uh, over the past few days in, uh, in Manchester, police have seized quite a lot of uh, DJ equipment, generators, uh, and other stuff, and got in before an event happened, because once it's happening, basically, it's, uh, it's too late. And Joe, I know you've had your own challenges uh, over the past few weeks, but certainly this weekend, uh, and you know, what was a, a fabulously positive uh, thing for the city, not perhaps for Evertonians entirely, but the one consolation Blues often have when Liverpool are successful, is the uplift it gives to the city and its reputation. Unfortunately, a very small minority of people uh, have tarnished that somewhat from Friday evening's events. Uh, again, from your perspective, Joe, do you, do you think that uh, the police have been managing these situations well? Are there additional powers that cities may be able to get going forward? Yeah, I think on the question of the gatherings, I do think that... Uh, not only do we as local authorities uh, need more powers, but the police clearly need more powers. Um, the bottom line is it what happened on Thursday and Friday was predictable. Rich is right that the police, in some senses, have been able to only respond in the way they have responded, which has been sensible really because sometimes you can intervene and cause major problems and that was the concern with the large gathering at the pierhead on friday who were clearly the worst for wear in terms of drink drink uh, you know there, there was and much more than drink there was clearly uh, you know we've seen hundreds and hundreds of, of of cases of beer and people marching down there with bottles of spirits and stuff what have you and you know that that was um i think sort of predictable, as was the gathering outside Anfield, predictable that they would go on. So I do think we could have prevented some of that, gave warnings out as well, saying this is what we intend to do. Now, whether that was you know, a dispersal order that should have been put in place before or whether it was a sort of curfew around particular uh, areas, um, then you know that needs to be given to us to be able to do. And, and, it, and it comes back to, you know, I mean, whilst I, I you know, absolutely I agree with, with, with Richard about it can, uh, the easing of the lockdown uh, help us moving forward. I think for me, um, you know, choosing the 4th of July as Saturday was probably not the most sensible thing to do. I would have liked to have seen it on the 6th, the Monday, so there would have been a gradual uh, increase. Uh, and, and bars and, and restaurants start to get used to it a little bit rather than, you know, say, here we go, we're open on Saturday and, and I, I, I am fearful that we might get, uh, you know, a, a flood of, of, of people in. And so we've got to 
you know, we've got to manage that in, 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 a, in a way. And as Richard said, you know, we've done things in the city. Uh, you know, we're, we're called it a city without walls. We've closed off Castle Street, Bowl Street. We're looking at Lark Lane, Allerton Road, other areas. And, you know, I've put aside the half a million pound grant to businesses so they can purchase uh, outside equipment for themselves, you know, chairs and tables to expand the number of covers. So we want to assist all we can. But we've got to be mindful of, you know, this pandemic, this, this COVID virus hasn't gone away. And, um, you know, what is happening in Leicester is a concern. And it comes back to the point that I keep making is that local authorities need to be given the authority and the powers to be able to do local lockdowns in certain areas, whether it's, you know, South Liverpool, North Liverpool, South Manchester, North Manchester or wherever we feel with public health health officials that it's necessary to do. And, and Richard, you will be uh, mindful of the fact that, of course, whilst we're in lockdown, um, the economy, of course, is, uh, is struggling. Uh, we've seen a 20%, perhaps 25% drop in economic output over the past month. Uh, and cities like Manchester are so vital to the economy moving forward. Um, so getting that balance right between bringing people back into work and having those health concerns at the forefront of the mind of course is important but where do we stand on that argument at this moment in time because my fear now Richard is we've been in lockdown for that long that if we don't come out of it soon then forget about any economic bounce back we'd be lucky to get back to the 80s we're looking at the 30s scenario if we're not careful uh, I, I want to echo something that uh, Joe said. Is that, um, in, in indeed, your introduction, Frank, is that COVID-19 hasn't gone away. Uh, but there are still a significant number of new cases uh, across the country uh, every day. Uh, I think the death rate from COVID-19 has diminished greatly, uh, which I suspect is because a lot of the most vulnerable people have probably, sadly, already uh, been been through the uh, experience, but it is still uh, very, very widespread. And uh, that's one of the messages we have to keep delivering over and over and over again. And I can see Joe's got it right behind his uh, uh, head there, but we need to keep, keep, uh, keep saying that. But at the same time, uh, we know that uh, poverty kills as well, deprivation uh, kills. And I think we've now been for, for a while in a position where the economic damage caused by COVID-19 is going to cause far more premature death uh, than the virus itself. And we have to get a balance right between uh, those, those things. So I think we do need to get the economy functioning. Um, the best way of doing that is, of course, trying to keep existing businesses, get them back up and uh, running uh, wherever they are. At the same time, and I'm sure we'll, we'll look at this a, uh, a bit later, it is that we're going to have to do a vast range of things to deal with what is going to be economic damage. I think over the next three to five, three to five years that there is not going to be uh, a, a quick recovery. And I don't think we should be going back to total lockdowns uh, because I do think that the damage that that will do is now greater than the damage of the spikes in COVID-19. We're now in a position where we have to manage COVID-19 effectively, but we also have to get uh, a fully functioning economy. Now, I know 
there are people with different views uh, around that. It's not, it's not straightforward and I don't think there is any uh, absolute truth uh, around uh, this. The government keeps saying that they're following the evidence and the evidence from SAGE. Uh, the evidence seems to be wrong all the time, so uh, uh, I, I think that's that's quite difficult. I think I think we have to make some uh, common sense judgments about what the balance between the, these things is. And I think getting people back to work is really really important, not just for people's quality of life, but keep but for keeping a lot of people alive. And as we do start to return to work, Joe, of course, the other thing that's happened over the past three months is this shift in culture to people working from home um, and of course listen if that's uh, creating decent productivity levels and, and people are quite comfortable doing that it, it's difficult to argue against but of course for many businesses in the city particularly in that hardest hit sector hospitality people coming back into cities into offices <coughs> is crucially important and i know that you and your team at the city council have been doing a lot of thinking about how we can make that safer and how we can encourage people back into the cities because again if that doesn't happen uh, we're going to see a situation that's very bad even worse so just talk us through what you're thinking is joe at the moment in terms of that health economy balance yeah i, th I think it's absolutely written written hit the nail on the head didn't he when he said you know that we need to have um different responses different cities different sorts of uh, if you like it, like a smorgasbord um, effect where cities need different things more than other cities do. But I think one, one of the things that probably Manchester, in, in similar to Liverpool, have a concern about is how how do we manage post-COVID in terms of how do we reimagine the city? What 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 is going to be the response to people and companies and, and, and the workforce in terms of whether they retain uh, or don't retain? not retain and create big, big problems for cities and for the revenue of cities like Liverpool. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I've got a sense that, that, that it will last for a while and people will try to do things. But, you know, that, that connection between teams and people, uh, I think, will, will be the driver to get people back to, you know, normality. If, if and only if we get normality uh, back into... The system in terms of creating a vaccine uh, and, and having the security and knowledge uh, that COVID is, is diminishing and going away and that we do have that vaccine. So, so I think, you know, we're making plans in our own building, for instance, to only have around about 40% of the workforce that normally operates inside the building back, putting up screens, more hand washes, all of those things. And, and I think many, many companies uh, are doing similar. I think they'll come on back just if I can just quickly touch on on Frank the point that you, you asked the question of, of, of Richard uh, about the economy and an and economic plan and it's going to be interesting isn't it to see what what uh, Johnson says tomorrow or later on today there's a lot of things being trailed money into education and we know that there's going to be announcements about spending infrastructure it, it's absolutely crucial that, that uh, cities like Liverpool Manchester um, are supported in planning for post-COVID, but also post-Brexit uh, as, as, as well. You know, what we can't have, and, and Liverpool can't survive, and neither can Manchester, I'm sure Richard will make comments on that himself, but Manchester, Liverpool, other cities can't survive 
operating austerity mark two. It, it's got to be about growing our economy. It's got to be a, a, about uh, future jobs investment, sort of like a future investment fund for jobs. It's got to be about retraining. It's got about stimulating new growth, uh, shovel-ready projects that put people back in work, retrofitting housing, all of those things that, that you know, I call invest to earn because the consequences for governments as we move away from the health crisis uh, will we'll enter into an economic crisis that will see you know, potentially higher unemployment levels than we ever seen or I've ever seen. And we remember them being at 3 million in the 80s. You know, I predict it'll probably be near the 4 and 5 million is the figure that we see if there's no response from government. So it has to be a measured intervention by government that allows cities to not only stimulate growth, but, but actually use and bring in the private sector and businesses as we've tried to do in, in Liverpool with our economic plan that we've submitted. Um, you know, we, we've, we're asking for around about 400 million, probably around about 200 million of that is, is for skills and, and for a fund, a jobs fund, but the rest of it is to leave it in around about one and a half billion pounds, creating 25,000 jobs, 5,000 apprenticeships, around about 12,000 people in the construction sector. So. I, you know, I, I hope that where this government, with its levelling up rhetoric, uh, is, is seriously looking at. And there does, Richard, appear to be from the government uh, a commitment to continue with those big infrastructure projects that we've been talking about for a long time now, such as HS2 Northern Power Ray. We spoke about that not so long ago when you came on uh, and chatted to us. Um, but we need a very ambitious uh, and probably unprecedented, that word keeps getting used these days, doesn't it? Sort of spending plan uh, to help the economy get back on its feet. And, and like Liverpool, Manchester's working hard to put in place uh, policies, ideas, initiatives uh, that can help the city do that. Is the recovery plan that you guys are putting together has that gone into government yet? Are, are those conversations already happening? Yeah. Uh, well, Joe talked about a post-COVID uh, world. It's that uh, there might not be a post-COVID uh, world, that there might not be a, a, a vaccine. This is something that uh, uh, could be for a very long <coughs> period of time, and we have to adapt to that. And the side on people working from uh, home, uh, what feedback we're getting from council staff is that whilst a lot of people want to maintain flexible working, but we also know that working from home has uh, increased the amount of mental health problems, that, uh, and isolation has increased the amount of mental health problems that uh, some people have uh, as well. So there are some real negatives around that. Uh, it, uh, Manchester has been in discussions with government about our recovery plans. I, I think there are a number of elements for that. One applies to any uh, place anywhere in the in the country. It is going to be local councils that are effectively going to drive and be the glue for uh, recovery plans. And to do that is you need a viable local government. And throughout the country, councils, and uh, both Liverpool and Manchester now, we've had our uh, top officials talking about the potential of a a section 114 notice, I, the inability 
to meet our statutory responsibilities, never mind uh, dry recovery. And step one is that we do need to have stable local government finance in order to underpin uh, recovery. We are expecting, I think, in the next uh, two weeks, two big speeches. Uh, one from uh, Prime Minister, which Joe's already uh, referred to, and that's being trailed as saying that there will be no return to uh, austerity. Well, I have to tell the Prime Minister we are still in austerity. Uh, what he needs to do is something to take us out of uh, austerity uh, at first, and that will require uh, substantial investment. Bearing in mind at the moment, I think the last guilt issue from uh, uh, government is that they were getting negative interest rates effect in, in real terms. So if they are going to invest, borrow to invest, this is the time to do it. Uh, the next big speech we're expecting is from the Chancellor of the Exchequer, and that does need to be dealing with continued investment in infrastructure, the sort of big schemes uh, that you were talking about, investment in uh, housing, uh, but also we are going to need a range of other more people-orientated uh, uh, measures. We are going to need uh, an e possibly an even bigger investment in intermediate labour market type schemes, job creation schemes, if, if, if you like, uh, enterprise support schemes, even bigger than what we had uh, in previous uh, recessions in the 70s, 80s, uh, uh, 90s. We are going to have to have a completely different skills system and it needs to be a whole scale reform of the apprenticeship levy so it does go to where it's where it's needed we need to be able to support retraining uh, at the expense of government of people who've already developed one set of skills now need a new set of skills uh, it has to be done on a completely uh, different scale now, unless we get that sort of investment is that we are not going to have uh, any sort of recovery anytime soon and yet and I know that we talk with Liverpool, uh, particularly through the core, uh, core cities, that uh, there's a lot of sharing uh, plans, but all of our plans are underpinned by those same basics. Uh, investing in the infrastructure that will support business, investing things, for example, like uh, the green economy, retrofit, uh, which will create a greener uh, UK, greener cities, but as well as create lots and lots of jobs. But that investment in people, because uh, at the core of, any modern economy of our people and all of those elements are there and we expect if we're going to have a recovery that over the next two weeks we see something really positive out of government and joe likewise uh, the recovery plan that, that liverpool's put together i know has gone uh, into whitehall now uh, what are the key aspects there that you'd be hoping to capture their imagination and gain their support well, I, th I think, you know, as Richard again sort of um, suggested is that, that, you know, Manchester will have significant projects uh, and, um, you know, aspirations about uh, doing certain things in the sectors that are their real strong uh, areas uh, and also uh, areas about job retraining, uh, skills uh, and that type of thing. We will. Uh, need very similar, but we've got schemes uh, like Paddington Village, uh, Paddington Village Central, Paddington Village North, uh, where we, we're looking at, at what we call the Hill, which is a health and innovation centre building on that uh, science and eds and medical uh, campus that we have ar around universities, 
uh, with the new Clasterbridge Hospital opening today, with the School of Tropical Medicine, with the new Royal, uh, that area we're also uh, putting forward what we call Upper Central uh, around the back of the Adelphi, the Garden Festival site, um, King's Dock, uh, many areas where, you know, one in the chat, some people were saying about, you know, uh, what we need is, is capital and revenue and, and and we do we need a mixture and a combination of those things uh to see us through and get us through you know the real <coughs> you know one of the uh, real messages that governments and and you know look both richard and myself have been around a long time and and and, and richard you know i was in school when richard was leader of the council um and um you, you know i uh, seen governments come and go and, and governments not recognising uh, the need for uh, investment that saves them money. You know, for me, it, it is as plain as the nose on the end of your face that if you allow people to lose their jobs and be made redundant, the knock-on effect to, you, to the economy of the UK is massive. Massive in terms of unemployment benefits, housing benefits, which again affect the council. But also, you know, loss of income in terms of income tax and national insurance contributions. So, you know, it's common sense for government to recognise that it's far more damaging. Then, and as Richard talked about, you know, you know, issues of mental health and all all of those issues as well, health uh, problems, not just mental health, that will affect those people that are being put out of work. And then, you know, all the issues about the families and, and, and motivating the rest of the kids. We've seen it in the 80s, we've witnessed it in the 80s, it decimated communities, not just in Liverpool, but in Manchester and elsewhere. And, you know, we've got to learn from that. So I, I, I honestly don't know whether this government uh, are serious about what they call levelling up and, and what we, we, Richard, know is about tackling austerity. Um, we don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, for, for, for us, it, it is a question. And, and Manchester's done absolutely brilliantly uh, over, you know, the, the last sort of 12, 15 years uh, where they've, uh, you know, they've been, you know, creative, uh, imaginative um, and, and, and getting on the front foot. And, and in some senses, Liverpool's now been doing that for the last eight, ten years, but we're still playing catch up. But we need, as Manchester needs, that stimulus, economic stimulus for us to actually rescue from what is, everybody talks about the word unprecedented, it seriously is unprecedented times and we need unprecedented levels of support now. Now we've got lots of questions coming into the chat room and I've also been emailed a number of questions so I'm going to turn to those in a moment but the one area that's not been <coughs> yet and actually almost seems to have been sidelined with so much going on at the moment, uh, is aviation, the aviation industry. And of course, both Liverpool and Manchester have you know, big investments in their local airports. Uh, Manchester, international, growing, big plans for the future. Liverpool, likewise, Joe, was on a real uh, roll of momentum until lockdown and picked up some great business and looking to introduce new routes and so on. Um, so again, Richard, just any thoughts that on that at the moment? I know you've got so much on your to-do list at present, but the airport has been a real driver for that economic success of Greater Manchester. I'm sure you're thinking about how that can begin uh, to recover and be supported as we move forward as well. 
I think Manchester Airport has not just been a driver for the economy of Greater Manchester. I think it's been a, a drive for the economy of the uh, of the north because it particularly it's given increasingly those long haul connections that really do help uh, drive business. And uh, we've seen, for example, from the direct link to uh, Beijing, the uh, increase in trade between Manchester, well, actually uh, the north and China, uh, increased very, very significantly, very, very quickly on the back of those uh, those, those connections. So I think it's really important that uh, we do get aviation operating again. I still don't think there is any future other than an international uh, future. We'll talk about uh, nearshoring, northshoring and all those sorts of things, but uh, effectively economies are based around trade uh, and it is about trading with those uh, key economies around around the world. So uh, getting aviation back to normal, I think it's got to be a real priority. At the same time, I think we've seen over the uh, past weekend that as uh, announcements have been made about uh, flights to the sun becoming a possibility again, uh, that there has been an absolutely flood of uh, bookings. Yeah. Uh, this is something that people want to uh, uh, want to do. Why shouldn't they be able to? to do that so again i think getting our airports operating as quickly as possible is is really really important but uh, like a lot of this is that have to be sensible rules uh, and i think what we have is a situation where uh, the government in particular the home secretary dug a big hole uh, with no sensible rules and government is slowly having to find a way to uh, uh, crawl out of that hole and put sensible arrangements in, in place. Hopefully that will accelerate uh, and we will get aviation operating again. Apart from its contribution to the overall economy, of course it's a big employer in its own right uh, as well. It will be a big employer at Liverpool Airport. Uh, we reckon there are around 25,000 people that are sorry, pre-COVID, were employed on the Manchester Airport uh, site. That is very, very significant uh, indeed. A vast variety of jobs at all skill levels. So it meets the needs of a, a very wide range uh, of, pe of people. We need to get that back. And Richard, moving beyond um, the, the regional issue of airports, What's your views now in terms of an additional runway at, at Heathrow? Is that something that we still should be prioritising? Well, I want to be prioritising in the first place, uh, really. I'm not a supporter of uh, third runway at uh, Heathrow. Uh, I think we need to use the existing runway capacity we've got in the country uh, better. There clearly are uh, environmental impacts from aviation. Uh, we need to be working to reduce those environmental impacts to move towards a zero carbon aviation in industry. Uh, one of the things around doing that, as always, is to use the infrastructure you've got uh, fully before you start investing in uh, new infrastructure. And the likelihood is that uh, a third runway at Heathrow would effectively increase pollution in the country by people travelling. Uh, to, to Heathrow to the south rather than going from uh, uh, somewhere that's more local to where they uh, where they live but I think the same applies about other f uh, forms of, uh, of transport so I've seen on the chat uh, somebody questioning HS2 or uh, sorry saying HS2 is being questioned 
once again. I think the uh, HS2 Luddites will continue to question it uh, until it's built and then they'll suddenly decide it's absolutely wonderful uh, because that's what happens with things like high-speed uh, uh, high rail. But uh, this is investment that will bring benefits in the short term through construction, engineering, design and other jobs. But this is investment for the long-term uh, future. And um, one of the things we shouldn't stop doing as a result of COVID-19 is investing for the long-term future. Uh, Joe, similar questions to you in terms of the future of John Lennon Airport and say up until very recently, Liverpool an investor in that, but still, of course, uh, vitally important that we can get that airport uh, up and running effectively and efficiently as quickly as we can, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, there's absolutely nothing that I disagree with the comments Richard made, absolutely spot on in all his comments. Liverpool's airport, John Lennon, was going from strength to strength. Um, I know, you know, uh, we're lucky to have the Manchester International on our doorstep and, it, it, you know, I want that to go from strength to strength. You know, uh, Richard and, and, and the Greater Manchester authorities have lost a lot of money uh, as a result of, of, of COVID and, and that funding is, is clearly going to have an impact on that. Um, you know, we're not in that situation, although we have a share in, in, in the airport uh, and we sold uh, 50, we bought 21%, we sold 10% and we made an 11 million pound profit on what we bought. So we're delighted with, with our investment there and, and, you know, we want the airport to go from strength to strength. It really was going from strength to strength as a, as a local airport. And, and uh, you know, we, we want that to continue. I'm just going to turn to a couple of the questions we've had in from our audience this morning. And one here from Tim Heatley at Capital and Centric, Joe, for you. Uh, how do the Littlewoods plans now fit into the regrowth of the city? A city Council pushing the government to support Littlewoods and Paddington Village villages priority projects. He says it would be good opportunity uh, for him to talk about why they're so important so those two projects you've already touched on Paddington Village the knowledge quarter Joe uh, but that Littlewoods initiative has been something that we've been working on in Liverpool for a long time now uh, any further news on that? Well yeah I, I mean you know Tim will recognise that that progress has been slow uh, with regard to that, because it's a, a, a quite a difficult, complex site in terms of the finance and the partnerships and the proposals that we were put forward. Um, you know, so I think we're there. We're, we're, we're almost there in terms of uh, reaching an agreement now with the partners and the major players. Uh, we're looking for the combined authority to give some uh, support and funding through uh, the SIF program. Uh, so we're, we're confident that we'll be able to do that. It's in the government task as well that we're doing a pop-up next to it. So, you know, pop-up studios and film studios. Liverpool is the second uh, most filmed city outside of London. Uh, it, it's, it's hugely important to us and, and you know, the universities in, working in that sector. And Tim and Capital Centre are still very much uh, in, in play with, with the Littlewood site, but also what we do around that side so I'm confident it will be uh, again a huge player and a huge driver we could have had a number of, of uh, uses for, for, for that site and, and retail uh, uses for that site but having the film studios there and, 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 and stuff is going to be you know high skill high tech 
good quality jobs and also be a huge economic driver uh, for the city. So we're plodding on with those and we're confident that, you know, we should be able to start to deliver, um, you know, shortly, a couple of months, three months uh, before we start working on that site. Okay. Thanks, Joe. Uh, and here's a question to, to both of you, but I'll go to Richard first, if I may, um, about from Paul Mann at Mace Group. Uh, talking about how cities are going to change in terms of public travel, social distancing, uh, and work really on pedestrianisation uh, and cycle-to-work options. Uh, and I know, Richard, that Manchester have been looking at this for a long time now, uh, but has the crisis potentially accelerated the sort of initiatives and projects that you were looking to undertake? Uh. It, it, well, yes, and I think we've taken it as an opportunity, and the, the, we've got lots of examples of never waste a crisis, and I think uh, this is one of them, is that we set out a strategy, particularly for the city centres, that applies to a number of our district centres as well, is for them to become far more pedestrian friendly and be pedestrian dominated uh, spaces. There uh, are areas now that, for example, the, uh, the strategic framework for central retail park, which is just on the edge of the city centre, envisages that, apart from servicing and deliveries, as being a traffic-free uh, neighbourhood. So I think we are beginning to move very much in, in, in that direction. And, and certainly, uh, again, Joe's talked about a whole range of uh, streets in, in Liverpool, that there are an enormous number of spaces that over the uh, next well, week, uh, we will be... Uh, if we haven't done it already, in some cases we've done it already, that will be pedestrianising or partly uh, pedestrianising. Um, some of that, or most of that, will probably become a permanent feature of the, uh, of the city centre. Uh, I'm not going to give absolutes about that because creative people still do need to be able to make delivery, they need to service where they uh, live, we need to consider about access for uh, uh, disabled people, um, but public transport we have to get public transport working something like normally uh, again because in fact for our city centres we need to transport not uh, hundreds or a few thousand people we need to transport tens of thousands of people and mass transit is the only way of, uh, of doing that and we need to work through how we get mass transit operating but again in terms of the biggest switch the biggest modal switch apart from the private car uh, as a result of COVID-19, is to walking. Uh, walking, it, it's something that uh, irritates me no end. Nobody lobbies for pedestrians, even though we all do it. Uh, all of us, whatever our journey, tend to, you know, we, at the beginning and at the end, we're, we're, on, we're on foot, and apart, apart from a relatively small number of mobility impaired people, nobody lobbies for uh, pedestrians. Um, Walking, apart from being probably the healthiest, it's also the cheapest way of getting around uh, as well. So uh, we are uh, doing a lot to encourage more walking, but we've also invested particularly for, uh, uh, for commuters into really safe uh, <coughs> cycling routes, uh, uh, separated off from the main, main carriageway, uh, really segregated schemes that I, th I think have a long-term future in encouraging cycling. But we also want to encourage more people to cycle around their neighbourhoods uh, as well. Uh, the growth we've seen over the last few months is large numbers of people leisure cycling. Uh, and uh, leisure cycling, it's good, good exercise, it's really, really healthy and we want to encourage that. Uh, all of this is uh, operating where 
uh, we have relatively limited road space. So there are going to be some real debates about how we best use that road, road space. And not everybody's going to agree. And uh, so we're going to have a few arguments uh, about that. But uh, active travel is absolutely uh, uh, crucial. But also, uh, a lot of travel plans are about getting from A to B. And what we want are travel plans that actually make what it's like being in between A and B just as important as getting from one to the, uh, uh, to the other, the environment ar around that. And particularly in those places where we want people to gather, and cities have no future unless people can gather and making those really good pedestrian friendly spaces. Uh, and Joe, similarly, I know that you've been looking carefully at the shifts that can potentially take place. And uh, as Richard has said, using the crisis as an opportunity to perhaps invest more than you'd anticipated in those sort of areas as well. Yeah, absolutely. Richard's just, I mean, look, let's move to the next question because Richard's, what Richard said is exactly the same for Liverpool, you know, and we will have, uh, we, we'll piss off some people, no question of that, uh, especially because people think car is king uh, and we've got to convince them that, sorry, you've got to share that space. We've got to, as Richard said about deliveries and stuff, we've got to make sure that's okay. But, but you know, the only thing I'd say on, on what Richard said is if we look at, the numbers of uh, people who have contracted COVID and unfortunately have lost their lives, then the comorbidity issues of being overweight, uh, respiratory problems, uh, poor health in general, has all contributed to that. So, you know, removing the cars, our air quality in the city centre is being massively improved. Um, you know, it's more safer around the city centre um, and, and we've got to build on that. We've got to, you know, reimagine the city centre uh, and we've got to challenge the concept that the car is king. Uh, it, it, it isn't. And uh, as Richard said, pedestrian cyclists, we've got to make it safe. Okay. Um, well, you've asked to go on to the next question, Joe, so I'll stick with you on this one. And it's from Paul Taylor, who's He's asking a question about coordinated approaches, uh, which, which of course is, is important. He's also asking uh, about the people focus that of course has been at the heart of much of what both Liverpool and Manchester uh, have been about in terms of economic strategies and other strategies that have been adopted in, in recent times. Um, but can I also sort of ask about the further coordination that will uh, need to happen moving forward uh, and that's about that collaboration between Liverpool and Manchester but also the north of England because uh, again a great point that I've repeated this on a number of occasions now that that Roger Marsh made a few weeks ago now is that often governments have seen the north of England as a problem that needs to be solved uh, and we really are a solution to the problems that the government now have so I just want you to talk about that coordinated approach, I suppose at a, at a regional level, because Joe, you now work alongside the combined authority. It's important that there's coordination there, uh, but perhaps that broader point as well about how we can cooperate across the North of England to get a better bang for our book moving forward. Yeah, well, I, I mean, of course we, we, we do. I mean, you know, people um, who, who listen to me, not just, joining, you know, the likes of your events and events that I've been to in Manchester for downtown and stuff. 
you know, hear me showing great respect for Richard Lees and, and what he's achieved in, in, in Greater Manchester. And, you know, we work together uh, and work together with core cities. And, um, you know, we push the agenda uh, for the cities as, as economic powerhouses and the economic hubs of the regions, you know, without, you know, um, you know Greater Manchester is, the name is on the tin, it's Manchester. And, and, it, and it's the economic powerhouse of, of Greater Manchester in the same way Liverpool is the economic, cultural, sport and uh, of, of, of the city region. And so we push and challenge uh, government whenever we get the opportunity, we work together. We also push and challenge government not only uh, to give us more powers for the region, but also more powers as cities, because uh, without those cities, as I said, we wouldn't have regions around them. So, you know, we do work together and we do, uh, you know, share uh, the same, you know, aspirations. I want Manchester to grow and become strong because I want the whole North to grow and to become strong. And, and that will never, never change. Um, you know, with regards to what we do within the city and about our, our people approach, you know, I'm very passionate about uh, inclusive growth, community wealth building, whatever people wish to call it. But that's to make sure that, that businesses and, and local businesses uh, and also local people, um, you know, benefit from what the things we ask for and what the things are we do. And, and that's why, you know, in our submission, and it will be similar to Richard's, and we've had this debate and discussion with core cities, a lot of the things that we've submitted are the things that Richard will submit and some of the other cities about retrofitting, uh, uh, you know, I mean, just an issue on the green agenda, you know, right around about uh, 60%, 55 to 60% of the emissions that come uh, into the environment, uh, the atmosphere in, in Liverpool come from housing. Around about 70% of that comes from terraced poor housing. Mm -hmm. So we've got to retrofit, we've got to reduce uh, our emissions by that, but it creates employment and job opportunities, and that's people focused. And so, you know, in everything that we do, in answer to, I don't know, I can't remember the, who it was, Frank, who asked that question, we are people focused. It is about. Uh, you know, supporting businesses that employ people, supporting uh, training and opportunities and apprenticeships. You know, Richard talked before about the apprenticeship levy and the stuff. Every city sends massive amounts of money to to, local, to, to central governments that we have to pay as a council for the, the apprenticeship levy. We should be able to, to keep that, especially to support, you know, for instance, the apprenticeships and training and, and, and also to make sure that we, we do that in a way that targets some of the hard to reach communities incidentally you know the black lives matter issue and stuff whatever so we tar target pain communities and and, and and do some work around that in terms of positive action so all of those things are people focused people uh, people centered uh, approach that, that that we have okay. uh, and richard uh, i know you've spoken often at our events about the importance of people being seen as the the center the focus of all the things that manchester does Equally, I remember, um, I think it was the very week that the initial Devo Mank deal was announced. Uh, seems not like yesterday uh, when George Osborne was uh, basically announcing that. Uh, and you answered a, a question about whether you know, it was great for Manchester to sort of be the outlier and be out there on, 
on their own. I remember you saying very clearly <coughs> that you needed and wanted many other cities and city regions in the north to adopt a similar approach because that would mean uh, a stronger Manchester moving forward because that collaboration across the north was so important. Well, uh, I, I think that's right, is, is that uh, you know, Joe's uh, been a friend for a long time, although I have to say in terms of one of his earlier remarks, um, I'm struggling to work out why, why he was still at school well into his 30s. <laughs> it was an approved school. It was an approved school. Judith in Leeds is a friend, Susan in Bradford, Chigley in uh, Sheffield, Nick up in uh, uh, <coughs> Newcastle, because it is really important uh, for, for ourselves that we all succeed. Uh, that I think together, uh, that we will stimulate our own economies by being successful. Uh, together we are stronger. Uh, I think we've demonstrated uh, that in some of the campaigns we've run across the uh, north of the England. So we really do have, I think, a shared interest in, in working together. And it's also that through working together, uh, we make ourselves less vulnerable to uh, unnecessary centralised interference as well. But uh, when Manchester was an outlier, its governance arrangements were far more vulnerable than they are uh, now. It would be very difficult for any government to go back on what we've, where we've got to uh, over the past, what, uh, uh, nine years now, because uh, Liverpool, Sheffield, uh, Bristol, Birmingham, uh, soon Sheffield, Newcastle, all have similar uh, arrangements. And they're all uh, arrangements that came through a very much a bottom-up approach rather than a top-down approach. This, this was not imposed upon us. It was, these were things that we chose to do because we believe they were in a, 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 our own in, in interest. And yeah, working together is absolutely essential. And again, just for the record, I did send uh, Joe a text uh, apologising for Manchester City for the business second half last week. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, we were all watching that with like this. Um, so, so in terms of um, just last couple of questions to you guys. Um, one specifically about Liverpool from Chris Bolland at uh, Brock Carmichael, who's asking about progress with the with the cruise terminal, Joe. Uh, and I'll also get, also tie that in um, with a question from uh, Kevin Johnson. Uh, to both of you, actually, which city or region, UK or worldwide, do you look to for inspiration and guidance for your economic recovery plans? Interesting question. Uh, so, Joe, uh, both of those points. Firstly, though, the, the cruise liner terminal. Yeah, we're, we're determined to plug on with the cruise liner terminal. We are uh, work is, is, is being done now with the Harbour Revision Order. Uh, we, we were delayed because, believe it or not, uh, some of the fishermen objected uh, to the work we were doing in the river. <laughs> I kid you not, you know, I god you not. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it's true, but we are on with that. I think the cruise line and industry will pick up again. It may well, you know, be uh, 12, 18 months, depending on, on as we said before, uh, about the virus, uh, you know, sorry, a, a vaccination to the virus. Um, but we're sure it will get confidence. So we're on with that. You know, there's a, a a uh, huge hotel uh, ne next to that um, and uh, we believe it will be hugely important for the city um, because each ship coming in 
brings in around about £1.2 million uh, to the local economy. So it's important for us to, to do that, not just because of the brand of Liverpool, but for the economy. Uh, in relation to, um, you know, uh, in Europe or across the world where we see, um, you know, local governments uh, operating or working, um, it, it's, it's, it's a difficult question in, in a sense because every sort of uh, country is different in how local government uh, operates. Um, I think, you know, the, the sort of federal model of government in, in Germany is one that, that is, uh, uh, you know, an inspiration. But then again, it can only be achieved with government fully devolving uh, powers to uh, large conurbations. Um, and I think, you know, that would mean that, you know, more retention and fiscally, you know, more retention of taxes and, 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 and revenue uh, that is generated and created in order to be, uh, in order to be spent. Um, that's something that, that you know, um, I, I look to uh, because of their strength, um, their ability to look after uh, people, especially adults and, and, and children, stuff like that. If their education is really strong, linked to businesses, um, real collaboration with, with, with the educational institutions and business so the skills can be transferred across real intervention uh, and, and, and collaboration uh, with those. So it, I think that's somewhere that, that I look to and I've always been, um, you know, inspired by their strength, if you like, in, in, in how they operate as, as federal districts. Okay, thank you. Richard, same question to you, because I know you, you are a great uh, student of uh, what's happening in other parts of, of Richard the world. will mention Liverpool now, of course. <laughs> he, he, he looks at Liverpool. Oh, oh yes, Joe. Uh, look, uh, I, I think we, we take a, a magpie uh, approach. But uh, before I say a little bit more about that, I mean one of the things that uh, was really, really important is that uh, cities re retain their own character, their own uh, uh, distinctiveness. So, um, uh, actually, Liverpool and Manchester, even though we're only fifty kilometres away, are, are very different cities, and it's important, I think, for both of us that we stay as very different uh, cities as possible. That's not a bad thing. This is just we are we are uh, what we are. But uh, it goes back to a, an early question you asked, Frank. Is that uh, I, I think probably most people don't recognise just how much collaboration there is between cities not just within the uk but on a global basis uh, as well um, we both mentioned uh, core cities and uh, within the local government association there is a city regions board which brings together uh, the big conurbations with some of the large freestanding uh, cities as well we belong to the european network of cities euro cities we're involved in c100 uh, uh, cities we've been engaged in european funded projects with with Chinese uh, cities. All, all of this is basically about uh, sharing ideas, borrowing ideas, and we just do that all the time. But I don't think there is any particular city or city region that we would look up, look up to. But basically, if we see any city doing something really, really good that we think will benefit us, uh, we'll borrow, nick or buy it. What, but but we, we, will, we will use those ideas. And, and again, Perhaps the last thing is, if you look at uh, the recovery plans we're talk, talking about, although 
the way that will be delivered will be different in different cities. Uh, a lot of the core themes are exactly the same because these are things that we've been working together over in some cases for very many years and again this is now an opportunity to deliver some of the things that we have been arguing for, for a very long period of time. Uh, thanks Richard. Like Last question to both of you, not really a question, it's just uh, a point really that we've got obviously many uh, businesses watching uh, this presentation this morning, still an awful lot of uncertainty uh, of what the future holds. Uh, just your personal messages to those business owners um, about you know what their hopes aspirations can be and what the city councils in each respective city of Manchester and Liverpool uh, will be doing moving forward I know you've talked about some specifics but a general wrap-up comment I suppose of the message you want to be sending out to businesses at this moment in time Richard uh, don't sit back and just let things happen uh, to you. That uh, uh, the future is something we can either have done to us or it's something we can make. And certainly, uh, what's said regularly about Manchester is that we will make our own future. And for businesses in the city, there are lots of avenues to work with us in order to create that uh, that new future. If, if we do that, then we take control. We we, we become uh, successful rather than victims. Joe? Yeah, and, and talk to us, um, work with us. If you've got any concerns or you feel there's things that we can do, then, then please communicate with us. You know, I have a regular weekly meeting with businesses, and Frank, you often uh, join that with the Chamber of Commerce as well, and businesses, the bids uh, across the city, the hoteliers, groups, the restaurants, all represented. I talk to people. As, as much as I can, I think everybody uh, is pleased and delighted with how we've responded, whether it's distributing the Sybil's grants or whether, you know, the things like without the city without walls and the you know the information that we're putting out about things. Uh, I think, you know, we, we, we're doing really well in partnership with businesses. And um, I would just simply say to you that, look, I know how tough it's been. I know how hard it's been. I know how much concerns you have, we recognise that. And we're doing everything we can to fight your corner and to be with you and to also make sure that we get our city uh, going again. Um, you know, around about 1.2, 1.3 billion pounds every single year has been spent for the last eight years. Uh, we've got some great, exciting things going to be uh, happening, irrespective of whether we get that funding from government. If we get the funding from government, it will help us accelerate that. You know, but I, you know, I look forward to a brighter future. And as I constantly remind people, the best days for Liverpool lie ahead of it, not behind it. Mm. And let's hope that's the same with the, the best days for Everton as well, Joe. Um, but uh, we, won't, we won't get the ball out again this morning. Listen, it's been great talking to you guys. Uh, I know that uh, you're working really hard to uh, get our cities moving and and back on track again as quickly as possible. Thanks very much uh, for being with us this morning. Hope you've enjoyed the chat. Thanks. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Yeah, we are. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Cheers, lads. See you soon.